What's up, everybody? This is Mike Isicki, tight end for the Miami Dolphins, and welcome to the All-Star Sports Podcast with your hosts, Gabe and Rafi. Hello, hello, and I want to say um, sorry if the audio is a little weird. We might be having some audio issues here, but um, hopefully it's fine. And today, to start off, we're going to commemorate um, and honor the life of Hank Aaron, he passed away this morning at the age of 86, one of the most accomplished and inf- influential players in MLB history. And so to start off, to honor him, we're going to run down his accomplishments and his life and how to get and how he got to where he went. So starting off on the Hank Aaron story. In 1951, Hank Aaron signed a contract with the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro Leagues. After hitting for a 366 batting average in 26 games, he signed a contract with the Boston Braves. And he made his debut in 1954, and in that season he hit he hit for a batting average of 280 and an OPS of 769. Um and Hank Aaron broke out in 1955 when he hit for a batting average of 314 and an OPS of um, 906, and he hit 27 home runs. He hit for similar numbers for that in 1956. And then, and then, um, and in in 1957, um, he hit for a batting average of 322 with an OPS of 978 and 44 home runs. Those stats won him the 1957 NL MVP, becoming just the fifth African-American player to ever win that award. Up until – here, you want to go, Gabe? Yeah. I Just – I I there's – he's just such a legend. In my opinion, and in, I think in your opinion, too, the true home run king. Yeah. Just Barry Bonds very clearly took steroids in the end of his career. I'll get yeah. into it later. But um, – yeah. First in RBIs of all time. First in extra basis of all time. First in total bases of all time, third in hits, fourth in runs. And this is the craziest stat of it all to me, a 25-time All-Star. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Let, like that, Just let that sink in 25 times. The fact that there was just a period in baseball for over two decades, like two and a half decades, that Hank Aaron was consistently an, all, an All-Star is crazy. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the most in any major sport. Um, I know it's the most in MLB history. I I know it's more than any in the NBA. Yeah. All right, so then moving forward from 1957, up until 1963, he basically put up similar stats. From his span in 1957 to 1963, in those, what, six, seven years, he never hit less than 34 home runs in a year which is crazy. He had debatably the best year of his career in 1959. And I'm going to say this. In 1959, Hank Aaron was third in the MVP voting. He was robbed from the MVP in 1959. He hit for a batting average of 355. He had 39 home runs and an OPS of 1037. And yet Ernie Banks, Ernie Banks had a great year. Don't get me wrong. Ernie Banks, amazing player, top five shortstop of all time. Ernie Banks in 1959, he won the MVP over him. He had an average of 
he had an average of 304. He did have 45 home runs and OPS of 970. Great year. Oh, Hank Aaron, yeah, he had six less home runs. Okay. He had his batting average, which batting average mattered much more back then than it does now, over 40 higher batting average and about 40 higher of an OPS with um, the fielding and speed of Hank Aaron. I think Hank Aaron definitely deserved that 1959 MVP. Yeah, I agree with you. And I just want to say one thing. Hank Aaron did all of this while facing rootlink racism from fans at home and away. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that when people think of racism in baseball, they, autom- they automatically think, think of Jackie of Robinson. Robinson. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jackie Robinson didn't face racism. Of course, Jackie Robinson faced tons of racism. Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron had racism that in history has been so overlooked because because the reality is Hank Aaron was a better player than Jackie Robinson a much better player than Jackie Robinson ever was people did and people in the 1960s there were people obviously that were very racist that was you know the, just the beginning of when segregation had ended. And there were lots of people that did not want a black person beating Babe Ruth's record. He got yeah. threats. He got tons of death threats. He, he, he was scared for his life because there were people that did not want a black person to beat Babe Ruth's home run record. Right. He... Right, like, he played when there was still a society where black athletes, even record-setting ones like Hank Aaron, couldn't get any endorsement deals. Yeah, of course. Whatsoever. He, he, he led the league in home runs and RBIs four times. Yet he only won the NL MVP once. Yeah. He was inducted into the baseball, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, first ballot in 1982, but was not a unanimous vote. Yeah. Um he he got what 97.8%. Um yeah, which was the most at the time, but wild. Yeah. Um and then think about this. He had that in 1959. He put similar numbers to that until 1973. And didn't win a single MVP award. From 1959, he had similar numbers to that. Obviously not as good. I think 1959 was his best year, but uh, like almost as good as that until 1973. That is a span of 14 years of consistently putting up stats, consistently having, you know, 40 home runs, batting averages over 320, OPSs hovering around 980 and not winning an MVP. He only won one. Obviously, he won the MVP in 57, which was a great year. He obviously... He deserved that year, but he definitely deserved it more years than that. And to be fair, the reason he didn't win it in 1959 was not because of racism. Ernie Banks, Ernie Banks, a black person, won. Right. I I just think people thought Ernie Banks had a better year, and I don't think he did. Yeah. Um. He and then so of course I talked about he then put similar numbers like that all the way up to 1973. And then, of course, there's one of the most famous days in baseball history. On July 20th in 1969, Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's career home run record um, with his 715th home run. That is absolutely insane. Right. I just want to – he broke the record on the exact decade mark of the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which is pretty cool. 
Um, now, the record has since been broken by Barry Bonds, but many people, including myself, and I thank you, believe that Hank Aaron is still the real home run king due to Barry Bonds' heavy use of steroids. Besides maybe Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds is the biggest steroid user in MLB history. Jose Canseco, but... Jose Canseco used more steroids, but he wasn't as good as Barry Bonds. Right, he didn't use steroids to become one of the greatest players of all time, like Barry Bonds or Alex Rodriguez. I mean, if no one knew Jose Canseco took steroids, he's a Hall of Famer with those stats. But but not one of the greatest of all time. Of course. I mean, no, Barry Barry Bonds, if no one knew – if I didn't know that Barry Bonds took steroids and he put up those stats without it. He'd be the best player of all time, no doubt. Yeah. And the thing that sucks about Barry Bonds is I don't want to talk too much about him because this is about Hank Aaron, but Barry Bonds won two MVPs before he started taking steroids. Like, he was on track to be a top 10 player of all time. And he yeah. Just it. Yeah, that's what uh, he did. Yeah, and then, um, of course, he put up those stats until 1973. After 1973, he had a quick two-year stint with the Brewers. Wasn't very good. Um, I think in 1974, hit a bat for a batting average of 234. Then, then the following year in 75, he hit a batting average, um, had a batting average of 229. And um, after his two-year stint with the Brewers, he retired in 1976. At the end of Hank Aaron's career, listen to these accolades. One MVP, 25 All-Star Game appearances, and three Gold Glove awards. Of course, the Gold Glove awards. Um, I don't. I don't. Gold Glove awards don't matter. They pay way too much attention to fielding percentage. You don't look at how good a fielder is and look at fielding percentage. Hank Aaron was a great fielder who deserved more than three Gold Glove awards. Right. Um, and he was also great on the bases. Should have won more than one MVP. And again, over over two decades. It was two and a half decades that he just made up. Oh. Of all strike, he is. He's not only obviously one of the greatest baseball players of all time, just one of the most interesting baseball players of all time to me. Right? Like many, I've seen many, many quotes today of fam- famous baseball players just talking about how cool of a person Hank Aaron was. Right? Like I saw. I saw who did I see a quote from? I saw a quote from David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Just, just all he could do was praise Hank Aaron. Yeah. Hank Aaron had, he's truly one of the greatest people of all time. Yeah, and Hank Aaron signed in the Negro Leagues when he was seventeen. There yeah. are two, there are two people that are known like like the Negro Leagues constantly had like kids there. There, um, well, not constantly, but like there were a lot younger players in the Negro League than there are like what you would see in the MLB today. Of course, there are exceptions like Juan Soto being in the MLB when he's 19, but um, that's not the norm. Like Hank, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays are two of the people that were legitimate kids, but were good enough at baseball to get into the Negro Leagues. Right. And remember, the Negro Leagues were professional baseball. The Negro Leagues are now considered part of the MLB's statistical records. Right. And Hank Aaron was able to do that when he was 17. And then, of course, he was so good in it that two months later, he signed it um, with the Braves. Right. Uh, another another thing, Hank, Hank Aaron 
why Hank Aaron was so important to not just the baseball community, but a much bigger community is because of his civil rights activism. His prime was during a deep unrest and racial tension in the United States. I mean, he grew up in Mobile, Alabama in in the 1940s. Seven siblings in a four room house with a single father. Yeah. Shares share multiple stories about him having to hide under his bed from people barging into their house trying to kill him. Yeah. And I mean, I saw this thing. Hank Aaron, five years ago in 2015, had an interview. This man had a moment in his life where he beat Babe Ruth, one of the best hitters in MLB history for the home run ring. This man had a day where he won the, M- that, the MLB MVP. And five years ago, he said the best moment of his life was the brief conversations he had with MLK. Yeah. Yeah. He, when, Jack, when Jackie Robinson broke the MLB color barrier in 1947, Hank Aaron was just 13 years old. And the next, the next summer, during, during, a little, during the All-Star break, Jackie Robinson went to Mobile, Alabama to speak about segregation and what to do about it. And Hank Aaron skipped school and was nearly kicked out of the school just to listen to him speak. Yeah. And um, Jackie Robinson, Roy Roy Campanella, Don Newcomb, they were all big inspirations to Hank Aaron. Of course, Don Newcomb won, won his MVPs. Well, Hank Aaron was already in the league, which is crazy because Hank Aaron was what twenty some early young twenties when Don Newcomb won the MVP and right. he was still in the league. Yet he was in the MLB. Um, but yeah, um, so in 1982, Hank Aaron was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. I've been to Cooperstown. They have a lot of stuff about Hank Aaron there. A lot of so fun, yeah. Lot of memory, lot of memorabilia, game used jerseys, game used bats. There's a lot of stuff about him for a reason. And um, Hank Aaron will forever go down as one of the greatest and most influential players in MLB history. Yeah, no doubt about it. I he just uh, there's not there's nothing bad I can say about Hank Aaron. Yeah, truly one of the greatest people of all time. One thing that's interesting is that, so in my opinion, Willie Mays is the best player in MLB history. Um, I, I actually wrote a whole school essay about why Willie Mays is the best player in MLB history. But um, basically, um, you'll, you won't, you'll hear about baseball. Like, I'm not trying to put down Willie Mays. Willie Mays was an inspiration to many people for what he did in the 1950s. Or no, six, well, 50s, yeah, because it was 51. His rookie year was 51, I think. But, um, um, and yet you won't hear people talk about him like you'll hear Hank Aaron. I don't think there's much of a question that William Mays was a better player than Hank Aaron. But you, you'll, you won't hear people talk about him in the, um, people have respect for Willie Mays because he was a great person, great player, obviously influential. But people won't talk. People won't talk about him the way they'll talk about Hank Aaron. Yeah, he's 
President George W. Bush in 2002 awarded Hank Aaron with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And not even, not even for just like a cool thing, good baseball player type guy, simply because of his efforts in the Civil Rights Act yeah. and pushing not, that. This was not in 2016 when Trump gave Babe Ruth the, the one, um, which of course right. was dead. His, his grandson accepted it. But, right. uh, it's not him giving it because he's, he's a cool baseball guy. Right. He but, gave it to him simply because of his civil rights focused philanthropy and just humanitarian endeavors. I mean, I think, I think really when you think of influential people in sports history that like because of the civil rights movement, you think of Jackie Robinson, think of Muhammad Ali, and you think of Hank Aaron. Right. Um, True. Just uh, there's just nothing bad I can say say about but Hank Aaron. I could go on and on and on about Hank Aaron, right? Like, yeah, yeah Barack, Barack Obama quote I, I saw the other day, or saw today, Hank Aaron was one of the best baseball players we've ever seen and one of the strongest people I ever met, right? Like, such high praise from so many high decorative people that have achieved so much in their life, but will always look back to the fact that they've spoken to or they have met Hank Aaron. Yeah. Um, so obviously a sad day in MLB history. Um, uh, but I hope that people, obviously you can be sad and grieve, but I hope that instead of doing all that, people look at what Hank Aaron did, you know, don't, don't cry that it, don't cry that it's over smile that it happened. I know that's not always the best thing to say about a dead person, but, you know, um, I think, I guess it kind of connects, you know, I hope people look at his accomplishments, commemorate what he did and honor his memory instead of just crying and saying that they loved him. Right. Right. Um, so, so uh, move uh, on here to, to our next segment. And finally, a big splash in free agency has been made. George Springer to the Toronto Blue Jays for six years, $150 million. Blue Jays, over the last couple of years, have consistently tried to sign big free agents, and they finally got one. So, yeah, roughly. What do you have to say about that? So, the contract was six years for $150 million. Um, in my opinion, I think they gave him a bit too much, and – um, I think the biggest thing is that they signed him too long. Right. I, mean, the, I think in the his... past, in the here in the past couple two years, this year OPS of eight ninety nine, last year OPS of nine seventy four. Don't get me wrong, he's a great player. You look at the Blue Jays outfield, and here's what they have, right? Um, you got Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Okay, you got Teoscar Hernandez, you got Randall Gritchett. You have those four people. Sure, I guess you could put Tay Oscar at DH, but then, I mean, really Vlad Jr. is your best spot for DH there. Like, I just feel like George Springer doesn't fit well enough in the Blue Jays system to pay him $150 million. I, I think you're wrong. I think 
six years is a bit too much, 31, but he can easily play the corner outfield. They're going to be playing him when he's 37. Right. Six years is too much. He's worth the average per year. And I'll keep saying that George Springer's a top 15 player in baseball. Gabe, you – Here, let me, let me read you off some, some comparison stats here. This is, this is George Springer and Francisco Lindor. 138 WRC plus to 119 WRC plus. 370 WOBA to 354 WOBA. Slash line 276, 366, 363, 512 to 277, 343, 502. Um, Those are excellent hitting numbers. 2017 World Series MVP. He's a great leader. He's not... Not not a great not a not a great fielder, but an average fielder. Exactly. Well, tell me if this is average. Look look at since twenty sixteen. He had one fine fielding year in twenty nineteen. He had a defensive war of one point two. Compare these stats for me. Defensive war twenty twenty defensive war zero point four. Twenty nineteen defensive war one point two. Twenty eighteen defensive war of negative zero point four. Twenty seventeen defensive war of negative zero point one. Um twenty. Um. Then 2016 defensive war of zero, and look at Defen- defensive war is not defensive war is n- not a good stat to base high, high, off of. Highly disagree. Besides, DRS and UZR are miles defense, ahead. Defensive run save is the best is the best fielding stat in baseball. After that is defensive war. UZR is miles ahead. Then you look at Francisco Lindor's. 2020, 0.5. 2019, 1.9. 2018, 2.4. He's a more valuable player in the field. And with those fielding stats versus hitting stats, he's much more valuable. But I'm not here I'm to not talk. This is not about Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I'm not here to argue about whether Francisco Lindor is worth $150 million. Well, she is. Yeah, he, I agree. George Springer isn't. George, George Springer is. Springer George is, Springer is. George Springer is worth a lot of money. You sign George Springer to a contract, you give him four years with with the average. Here, no, even if you give him six years, you give him $130 million. Okay? He's 25, not- million, 25 million a year is, is well served for George Springer. Um, 25 yeah. million a year is well served for George Springer. Give him four years, 100 mil, that's a good contract. That's a good contract for my eyes. Um, six years, six years is too much. Should not be paying a center fielder to the thirty-seven. Give him twenty mil a year. Twenty-five. I'll, George Springer's worth twenty-five million a year. George Springer's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Okay, George Springer's a great player. You don't pay. You don't pay someone that has. You don't wait. Um, you don't pay someone that is best stats in the past have been. Um, you don't care. Sorry, you don't pay someone that's best stats and that's on base percentage has been three fifty nine, three forty six, three um three eighty three, and then OPS. He has good OPS. Is eight ninety nine, nine seventy four, is an eight ninety nine OPS worth one hundred fifty million dollars? I I'm gonna I'm gonna go into some more advanced stats here. 2020, 2020 only. 2020 was a down year for George Springer. He he got back up. If you look at his complete stats, yes. But if you look at his, you know, second half of the year, it's normal George Springer. 
Right. But 570x slugging, slugging percentage. Top five in the league. Exactly. That's part of Three, 387x XWOBA. Top five in the league. Let's look back to, 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 to 2019. 582x slugging percentage. 401WOBA. 404XWOBA. Those are elite hitting stats. Yes. Those- hey, he, you have elite hitting stats, but unless you're going to put him at DH, you don't pay him $150 million when he has fielding wars of ne- in the negatives. From from what year? From what year was that? Feel, um, you want to look at this? Fielding war in the negative. 2018. 2018. Three years right, ago. 2020, 0.4 defensive war. Yeah, let's I, – I, I prefer use your – Okay, defensive run saves. He has eight, but um, hold up. Wait, what? Sorry, my UZR zero point nine. My computer's those are nowhere near. Those are all right. Here, here. If I get this, if I pull this up, most recently, twenty twenty. You look at his um. Defensive run saved above average, which is a really stat I really like. Defensive run saved above average. What was his in 2020? Negative three. Bad field. I'll give you that. Just hard hitting percentage, 68th percentile. Bear percentage, 81st percentile. Strikeout percentage, 78th percentile. Walk percentage, 71st percentile. Outs above average, 69th percentile. Sprint speed, 82nd percentile. Just those. I mean, 2020 he had an offensive war of 1.9. 2020 was a down year for George Springer. Is that not a sign of decline going forward for the next six years? I am not counting this 60-game season as, okay, as anything. As to take it into account a little bit. And 31, even- 31. 2019 was he he was elite. If he didn't get injured, he would have wasn't worth 150 million dollars. Worth 25 million dollars a year, and I stand by that. 50 million dollars is the money you pay Francisco Lindor. He was not worth 150 million dollars simply because of the fact he was not worth six years. Give him four years, give him 100 million. That's a fair contract for George Springer. I don't know about that. I think I think I think George Springer is worth twenty to twenty-two mil a year. All right, I'm gonna go back to 2019, last full season, 122 games, 974 OPS, 591 slugging percentage, 383 OBP, 292 average. Okay, gave you to here. Look at this. Let, let's no, let's fielding. Let's look at fielding from from. From 2019. So it's center field fielding numbers, but he's he spent a lot of time at right field in 2019. Spent 540 innings at center field in 2019. Had a, a catch percentage of 993, which is very, very, very good, right? Yeah. I just. I, I don't think catch percentage is a very good stat. Catch percent, it's it's not a very good stat. But I I don't think he's worth twenty five million. I mean, look at this. Here's someone that here are the stats of someone that's worth twenty five million. 
If you give him an 854, if he has an 854 OPS, a slugging percentage of 518, and then you look at his fielding stats, defensive run saved above, defensive run saved above average, 2, 11, 13. You look at batting, offensive war of 3.8, defensive war of 1.9 or 2.4, even offensive war the year before that, offensive war of 6.4, defensive war of 2.4. Those stats are just superior to George Springer's. Someone like that is not worth more than 150 mil. Who's that person? Francisco Lindor. Okay? He is worth 100. Those stats are worth 150 mil, not George Springer's. George, I... I... He's he's too good of a hitter to he's worth twenty five million a year. I stand by that. Significantly better hitter than Francisco Lindor. You can't say he's a significantly better. Yes, hitter. he is. He yes, a, he is. He has a yes, bit of Francisco Lindor. He doesn't even look at this. He doesn't. Um, hold on, if I look at this, he gets on base a bit more than Francisco Lindor. And the thing is, Gabe, look at his slugging percentage in twenty nineteen. Okay, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. His slugging percentage in 2019, 591. Even his, okay? What's Francisco Lindor's slugging percentage in 2019? 518. Still a very good slugging percentage. A bit worse, still very good. When you compare those hitting stats with the fielding stats, Francisco Lindor is superior, and Francisco Lindor is someone you pay no more than 150 mil. If for uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use baseball savant here. I really like baseball savant. Let's let's go by their 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 twenty twenty expected MLB percentile ratings, okay? Right? George Springer significantly worse exit velocity, but he's not as powerful as Francisco Lindor's. Hard hitting percentage sixty eight percentile to sixtieth percentile, XWOPA ninety six percentile to sixty eighth percentile. Expecting bad expected at batting average ninety second percentile to seventy ninth percentile. Excellent percentage, 95th percentile to 60th percentile. Barrel percentage, 81st percentile to 32 percentile. Sprint speed, 82 sprint speed to 65. Where are these stats from? Baseball Savant. All right. Walks percentage, 71 percentile to 50th. Strikeout percentage. Francisco Lindor has him in that. With percentage. Francisco Lindor has him in that. But George Springer is a significantly better hitter than Francisco Lindor is. Again, I don't think you can say consistently. Even if you look at this, I'm on some on stats for Francisco Lindor. Hard hit ball percentage, 41%. K percentage, only 15%. Walk percentage, up to 9%. Look at those stats, Okay. And then George Springer edges him in in walk percentage with 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 percentage. That you want to know what is with percentage? Well, here you look at his overall. Well, that's why I switched that. Hold on. Look at this zone contact percentage of eighty seven point five percent. Yeah, first pitch swing down to twenty seven point one percent. Swing percentage, 48.6, which, you know, he could be taking more pitches. He doesn't walk too much, but, okay, whiff percentage of 20%. Not great, but before that, whiff percentage of 17%. Okay? Percentile rankings. Okay? 
extra base hits, 93rd per, um here no extra base hits 79th percentile. Mm-hmm. Strikeouts 86th percentile. Walks 50th percentile. Whiffs 78th percentile. Even speed is 65, which isn't great. If you look at two years ago, speed percentile 82. George Springer, this 182nd percentile speed. All can you what? You lagged out there. Can you repeat that? George Springer sprints sprint percentile 82 at 31. Yeah, I mean, he's faster than him. But he's faster he's- than George Springer. He's better hitting stats in nearly every important hitting stat than George Springer. He has better hitting stats, but not by that much. Yes, by that much. Not by enough that you're giving him $150 million. Yes, by enough that you're giving him $150 Do you think George Springer is a better player than Francisco Lindor? I do not. Okay. Do you but think- uh, you think Francisco Lindor is only worth up to $150 million? I think, I think Francisco Lindor is up to 160 165 I think Francisco Lindor is worth $200 million. Best shortstop in baseball, in my opinion. Maybe even you go up to 175, which is what Springer was asking for. Hell, go up to 180. Maybe Springer, Springer, maybe even you give Springer 140, 145 over six years. First of all, the biggest bad part of this contract is six years. You're paying him till you're 37. Oh, no, no, no. I completely agree with the fact that he's being paid I mean, too long. I mean, I got news for you. When you're 37, are you going to be putting up an 899? Um, no, no, no. He, he, George Springer's not worth six years, 150 million, but he is worth 25 million a year. So overall, he is worth three years, 70. You think this was a good contract? No, I don't think this was a good contract. I think six years was way too long for a 31 year old. So well, you're arguing below. he's worth 25 million a year. Yes. Okay. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think you definitely can make an argument for that, but I, I would put that down to maybe 22 mil a year. All right. That was a, that was a, that was a good debate there, but let's, let's move on to our second edition of Rankings Friday. Very exciting. We are doing our top 10 sports stadiums. So, um, again, I don't know about you, but I had some honorable mentions. So did I. All right. I'll start off. I, I mean, if you're honest, probably doesn't deserve an honorable mention, but it is a great stadium. I just had to put it there. M&T Bank, man. I mean, Gabe, okay, it doesn't deserve to be in the honorable mentions, but it is like a good stadium. Like you can't, fine stadium. You can't say it's a bad stadium. It is a top 10 NFL stadium, possibly even top five. It's a good stadium. Doesn't deserve to be an honorable mentions, but I just had to put it there. All right, I have one question. Did you do any classic stadiums? Because I did not. Oh, I did not. I I probably think I would have fit some in, but I did not. I, I would fit some in. I'd get. I mean, I, I'm gonna give I'd Old get, Yankee Stadium a yeah, shout. I I get. I'll give a shout out to Old Yankee Stadium. Even like, uh, Ebbets Field. Um, yeah. Even even you know I mean the Polo Grounds was a pretty hard stadium to play in, but. It's, it's a, a legendary MLB The Show Stadium. Is, yeah, legendary MLB The Show Stadium. Want to get a three three twenty five yard near three twenty five foot home run or get inside yeah. the park home run to deep center? Go to Polo Grounds. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, All right. 
what are your honorable mentions? So my honorable mentions, MNT Bank Stadium. I have Centrally Century Link Field, Seahawks Stadium. There it's 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 Lumen Field now. It is switch the name, yeah. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Honestly, it is a good stadium, but a lot of that's just because the energy of the fans. Yeah. But I have T I I in my top ten, I only have one basketball stadium. So, oh, I just realized I forgot Madison Square Garden in my in yeah my top Madison 10. Square Garden's in my top ten, but um we'll get to that later. So I'm I have my one, list a little I had one basketball stadium in my honorable mentions. I had TD Gardens. I've never actually been to. Okay, so I want to say this quickly. I I'm a big fan of like going around different stadiums. I've been to 18 MLB stadiums, and I'd love to go to all of them before before I go to college. So this is something I do know a good amount about, and like. Most of the stadiums that are on, well, um, the football one and the basketball one in my top 10, I haven't been to, and like a couple, I guess uh, two of them. So over half of the ones I've been to, and then also some of these here. I've never been to a game at TD Gardens, but I took a tour there. Um, and it's a really nice place, nice stadium. And I think it definitely deserves a honorable mention. So I, I have... I also have two honorable mentions. I also have TD Gardens, but I... One more, but... Oh. Well, I... I have a college football stadium. I have Michigan... I have Michigan Stadium. Oh, I forgot college sports. I I have to um, put Cameron in... Cameron Indoor at number one real quick. Hold on. Um, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I guess if I'm being serious, I'd put... I'd put... Um, Cameron Indoor here. I'll add it real quick. We'll talk about it later because that is 100% in my top 10. Um, you know what? I'm doing the same thing I had last time. I'm here. I'll give my one more honorable mention. Um, um, uh, Arrowhead Stadium, Chief Stadium. Yeah. Stadium. Um, so is that all your honorable mentions? That is all my honorable mentions. So I'm going to go to 10. I, I did the same exact thing I did last time because I just put Cameron Indoor in because I forgot about it. Also, I put the big house in, but I'm not going to mess around with that. But I really didn't want to put the, the the stadium I had at 10 out before. So I'm doing the same thing I did last time. I got a 10A and a 10B. Um, now, by no means do you think of my 10B as a stadium that you'd ever put in a top 10, but I have been there. It is probably in the top 10, mostly because of the pizza, because they have good pizza, but it is also a very good stadium, and that is Bush Stadium, the Cardinal Stadium. I sat... No, I've, act- I've, heard, I've heard it's actually quite, yeah. quite a nice so, stadium. So um, I went there, and my seats were like upper deck um, behind home plate. So we... And that's one of the stadiums that you need to get like one of the ones behind home plate. I'd say, honestly, one of the ones that upper deck is the best though behind home plate because you can see the view behind it of the sea and you see the Seattle – or Seattle? No, the St. Louis Arch. Um, and it's a really good view. And it is a good – it's a good environment, a good stadium. Um, and, yeah, I, it's a pretty nice stadium. Yeah, all right. I'll do – I'll kick off. Here, you do your you do your 10A now. Oh, my 10A is Dodger Stadium. Um I've never actually been to Dodger Stadium. My parents went there one summer, but I was at sleepaway camp while they went, so I missed that one. But um, but Dodger Stadium, obviously watch it on TV. Obviously watch them get their, get their hopes up so high and then just lose in the playoffs constantly. Of course, they did it this year. They won the World Series. But before that, 
saw it on TV many times, and I know that Dodger Stadium is a good stadium. Yeah. All right, I'll do my 10, which is uh, PNC Park. Ooh, that's a bit low. I have that way higher. Well, uh, I if you consider that. Right. I've only been there once because moved here kind of right before everything started to shut down. But only been here, only been there once. PNC Park. We we sat same place you sat at Bush Stadium. Such a beautiful view. Yeah, we're not. I'll talk but about the environment there. Is just not. It's just not it. There's. Um, I'll talk about PNC. There's just later. no one. I basically that is excited about Pirates baseball. Yeah, right. Like I basically, when I went to PNC, I pretty much had the same seats that you had. I guess Ryan Home played Upper Deck, but. I have them definitely lower on my list because it was a very nice stadium. So I'll talk about it when I get there. Yeah, um, environment for me is a, is a big part of stadium okay. enjoyment. Um, I'll go to my number nine, which is another one I've never been to, but it's Petco Park, um, San Diego Padre Stadium. Obviously, we saw them play the playoffs. Were the, was the World Series there this year? No, that was in Texas. No, that was in Texas. Yeah, um, but it was the NL NL um, CS I think was there, and obviously it's a great stadium. Just a, recently been a much better environment. I'll say that definitely more recent than before. I mean, since they got Machado, they've been a better team. But um, yeah, it's it's a nice stadium. Yeah, right, I'll go on to my number nine, which you already mentioned, but it is Dodger Stadium. Been there once. Uh, I've never I went on a tour, never been to a game there, but it's a really nice stadium. They have a lot of really cool stuff there on the lower levels. Um, great environment. One of the biggest, I think it might be the biggest in capacity MLB stadium wise. Um, beautiful stadium. I love the the sea colors. They I forget what they mean. They represent something. I'm blanking on it right now, but they represent something. But really nice stadium, my number nine. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, Dodger Stadium is the highest one in capacity. Um, but so my number eight is one that I've been to. It's my only basketball stadium on my top ten. It's Madison Square Garden. I've never been there for a Knicks game, but every year, you know, in the beginning of the college basketball season, there are these tournaments. Um, they're like these little tournaments that teams just form together. And I went to the Champions Classic there, which is every year Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, and oh, one other team. I'm blanking. It's Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, Kentucky. Kentucky, you're right. Yeah, Kentucky. Um, they all go together. And then it's not a tournament where like there's a semifinals and a finals, it's just that there are two games. Two of them play each other, and they're they're back to back. So generally, if you go to one, you go to both. You get tickets for both. And I went to the Champions Classic one year. Um, obviously, I'm a huge Duke fan, so it was very exciting. Um, uh, I saw it. it was very unfortunate. It was the Jason Tatum Jason Tatum year, but um, well, actually, no, I did see Jason Tatum play. I think there were that was a year where we had a lot of new freshmen but a lot of them got hurt in the very beginning of the year that year and so I only saw two as Jason Tatum and then Frank Jackson who's now I guess he's not on the Pelicans anymore shouldn't have went after his first year but um 
But um, yeah, and it's it's a very nice stadium. One thing that's really cool about it is because it's such a huge stadium, there are seats in it that you like you can't really see the court. So in case you want to, if you can't see the court in all those seats, they have like TVs right in front of you with the game on. Yeah, you can't see it, which is really uh, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna move on to my number eight. Which is, I've never been here there, but it is the Superdome in New Orleans. Wow, forgot about that one. Mercedes-Benz Superdome, um, legendary stadium. Saw a cool, cool picture the other day. Drew Brees looking back for his final. Looking week. back for the probably the final time. Um, massive stadium, yeah. right next to the Smoothie King Center, where the Pelicans play been around forever was used as shelter in multiple hurricanes big nice classic football stadium if i remembered that one that'd probably make my list but forgot about the one my number seven is um cameron indoor um i think it's probably the best college basketball stadium it's a very small stadium and so because of that, you hear – like, it's one of the – it's so small, but it's one of the loudest stadiums in college basketball because the, the, the Cameron Crazies, man, they stand the whole game. There's no such thing as sitting there. They, you know, wave their arms. You know, they do the Duke chants. They say, no, 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 goodbye whenever a player of the other team fouls out. Um and it's a great one. I've surprisingly actually never been to a game at Cameron Indoor, but um, but um, my grandpa. So my whole thing about being a Duke fan is my dad went to Duke, but even before he went to Duke, he was a Duke fan because my grandpa was a professor there. Um, and um, so of course he then went to Duke. But apparently, my grandpa always kept his ID card from Duke. So one time he was able to bring me and my brother and just use his ID to get onto the Cameron indoor court. So I've never been to a game there, but I've been on the court like while a game wasn't happening. Which yeah. Was, which was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it was a really nice, it's a really nice stadium. I think it's the best college basketball stadium there is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to do my number seven. It is Madison Square Garden. A few adjustments to, to my list. But Madison Square Garden is my number seven. Never been there. Was planning to go to the ACC championship there this year, um, this upcoming year. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but Madison Square Garden, cool stadium. It's home to so many different concerts, basketball games, Final Four. So many different things happen at Madison Square Garden. At WWE game. Yeah, can't forget WWE, but iconic classic stadium, Madison Square Garden. Good stadium. So next, I have my only football field on my top ten. And that's Lambeau Field, obviously known for its crazy cold games, but you know, famous for the Lambeau Leap. It was one of the first um, football stadiums in the Super Bowl era. Obviously, first two Super Bowls were won there. Or I don't know if they were one there, but they were they one were there. there. Yeah, one there. Or one of them was. Yeah, Vince Lombardi, 
coach there and I mean it's very it's a very it's just a very iconic stadium and yeah. it's a very nice stadium and the fans are definitely right big, like the the just the list the the, the, the the season ticket list being 30 years long is a big part of it yeah you know, of course whenever you go there you'll have to interact with some cheese heads but yeah yeah it's a great stadium uh, I'll move on to my number six never been there mostly because it's in England but Old Trafford, which oh, is Man- Manchester United Stadium. I have soccer stadiums on my list. <laughs> I, I, have, I have four. Four soccer stadiums on my list. But Old, Old Trafford, Manchester United, iconic stadium, home to many iconic games as Manchester started. Most historic team, team in England. Won so many trophies. Super good. Yeah. Hate the team, love the stadium. Yeah, I mean, I've been to England once. I think when my brother likes soccer, he might, he might. I don't even remember. He might have gone there. He might have gone to like a Liverpool game or something. I don't remember. But um, he went there. I, I mean, if I know Gabe likes soccer. Yeah, I, I'm a pretty big soccer fan. Rafi's not. I mean, so I, I like. The it, you'll probably you'll notice that in some later episodes for sure. I, mean, I, I like the World Cup. I follow the World Cup. I like women's more than men's, just because I feel like in men's there's a lot more flopping. Well, and just the women's U.S. team is yeah, th- there's that insane. Yeah. Um, also, because I can connect it to football a little bit because of Juliet's. But, right. But, yeah, I-, I like the World Cup. When it comes to the World Cup, I'm a bit of a soccer fan, but overall I'm not really so- – I mean, I watch the Champions Classic semifinals and finals – yeah, besides that, really nothing. Um, number five. I mean, I don't think this is biased. It's considered a top five stadium in baseball. That's Camden Yards. Um, Camden Yards. Yeah, it's considered. It's not considered a top five stadium. Yeah, in baseball. It is. my no, my next five stadiums are all baseball stadiums that I've been to, and I Camden Yards. Not being biased, Camden Yards out of the eighteen stadiums I've been to is the fifth best. It's an excellent stadium, but it's definitely not considered top five. A very nice park. Obviously, you got the warehouse behind it. Um, fun fact: I have a teacher um, that used to um, work. He actually worked for the Ravens um, too, and he used to work for the Orioles in the scouting department. And he used to work in the warehouse, but then he went back to teach. Um, but um, man, that that's kind of that's an interesting life decision. Yeah, I no, say. I know. I've talked to him about. It. He says he wanted to do something more fulfilling, but but um, but um, uh, he uh um, Camden Yards, great stadium, great view. I've sat most places you can sit there. I've been to. Obviously, I can't count the amount of games I've been there. Definitely over fifty, but um, uh. Yeah, it's a great stadium. I The thing is, out of these stadiums, I'll be able to talk to you about two things, food-wise, and that's pizza and if they have a kosher stand. Because you guys know, I keep kosher, so I don't eat, like, meat. So, like, I've heard the crab is good at Camden Yards. but uh, uh, Yeah, I don't eat crab either, so but I, I don't so know. I don't know about that. Always had very crappy pizza. You do not go to Camden Yards when you're you know. cooking for the food. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'll, yeah. My number five might be a little controversial, but it's Fenway. Ooh, 
Overrated stadium. Have you ever been there? Yes. Half half the seats you can't even see the field completely. Half the seats you cannot see the field completely. It's overrated. The seats are uncomfortable. All the seats are too close together. All like iconic stadium, not enjoyable to watch a game at at all. I have I have Fenway where it is because it's iconic. First of all, it's enjoyable to watch a game because it's iconic. it's, it's simply it's I just didn't like it. I part of it part of it maybe that when I went to Fenway we really lucked out and got good seats that we could that were comfortable and we could watch the game in. They have a vending machine for a kosher stand. I'm sorry, but um but um uh it's it's such an iconic stadium. It's you'll come to I'll talk about it when I have it when I when I rank it, but um I I highly disagree with that. I think it's an amazing stadium, and it's just so iconic. It's the and if you're looking at it from the outside, it's the nicest stadium in baseball. It's small. It has the green monster. Okay, but I'll talk about it later when I get it. My number four is formerly AT and T, now Oracle Park. Um, obviously, San Francisco Giants play there. Um, I went there once. Actually, went on the field there too, but. Um, it was just, I mean, it was just a nice experience. It was a nice stadium. There were there were good fans there. Obviously, it's awesome to see the people canoeing um, to get to catch foul balls, but um, or not foul balls, home runs. Right. But, um, it's just it's a nice stadium. I've never I've never surprised. I'm born in San Francisco, never been to Oracle Park. You lived in San Francisco for like six months. Kate. Yeah, but I've been there tons of times. Ne- never been to Oracle Park. That's why I don't have it in my top ten. But my number four is another soccer stadium. It is Wembley Stadium. Ooh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, that's why I know it's good. Um, no team has ever played there. No team will ever play oh, there. Oh, I only know but that. I, I think I only know that because football games are played there. Insanely iconic. Yeah, NFL games when they're in England well, are I, sometimes played there. But I the soccer games, too. In, insanely iconic. The FA Cup is played there. The, well, the semifinal and final, which is the big English tournament. The um, Champions League final is sometimes played there. The most iconic stadium in England, and it's not even close. I mean, like, you guys are going to know, I may not be a huge soccer fan. I'm a big sports sports fan. If you're a big sports fan, you know what Wembley Stadium is. I mean, it is an iconic stadium. I don't have it on my list. I don't like soccer that much. But if you're a sports fan, you know what Wembley Stadium is. Yeah. um, my number three is a very nice stadium. It is now Gabe's current hometown in a city I don't love because of the Steelers, but that is PNC Park. Night, amazing stadium. I got it's pretty much the same seats you were talking about. You know, upper deck behind home plate. You see the the river behind it, um, and it's very nice. Biggest problem with it is that. You just look ac- you look across the stadium and you see that horrendous horrendous piece of stadium which is Heinz Field, but um, but um, just besides the Heinz Field thing, it's um it's just a really nice stadium. Obviously, there's the iconic Roberto Clemente statue in the back, which is awesome. But um, yeah, it's it's a really nice stadium, um, and it definitely deserves to be there. Yeah. All right. I'll move on to my third, which is. The third or fourth soccer stadiums I have on this list, it is Barcelona Stadium, Camp Nou. Oh, yes, Camp Nou, yes. Seats nearly 100,000 people. Insanely big. 
Barcelona, obviously one of the biggest teams, any sports team in the world. Yeah, I mean, even if you're, even if you know nothing about soccer, you know who you know, you know what Barcelona is. Um, uh, super iconic. So many legendary moments happen there in Spain. Massive fans, great environment. Massive fan base, great environment. Massive stadium, good-looking stadium. It's just a great stadium. Uh, can't say much about it, but sure. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, my number two is Wrigley Field. Um, amazing stadium. I think it's the second best sports stadium. Again, I've been there. Um, I saw an Orioles Cubs game there. I saw Jake Arrieta pitch against the Orioles, which was a little bit funny because he had like a five ERA with us and went to the Cubs to actually pitch well. But um, but um, so it's it's just a really nice stadium. Of course, there's the iconic Ivy um on the on the wall. And then one thing that's really cool about it is this year. So. There's a, there's a, um, on, like, right behind it, there's an apartment building. Yeah. The landlord has set up seats on top of, of the building and, and decided to sell tickets to anyone, like, expensive tickets. And yet there's so many people that want to do that, that they're full. But this year, because there were no fans, he just said, he just, like, sold tickets to didn't sell them but there was like a lottery or something within the people that live in the apartment so they were like the only people during their regular season that could see a live baseball game yeah because they could see it from the roof right i'll move on to my number two my last soccer stadium i'm pretty sure you've been there correct me if i'm wrong but in mexico city estadio azteca i have been there massive stadium I'm a big USMNT fan, so I don't really, I don't love Mexican soccer whatsoever, but beautiful stadium, what a view, um, mass stadium, Mexican soccer fans are very passionate, annoying sometimes, but very passionate. Very annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say this is a soccer stadium that I can actually talk about, um, because I've been there, huge stadium, capacity of 80 of uh, 87,523 huge stadium. I went there, I got some good seats. It was very cold um and raining. Um I'll say the the whole like when you get in the stadium it's amazing. I can talk about that stadium, the security and getting into that is terrible. Basically, you don't see police cars there. The security is on horses. It's on police horses, which is not the most advanced technique. But, yeah. but um but um it's huge. Took a while to get in. Um they they there's no concession. I don't know if it's just a soccer thing or if it's like they only have it in the US, but there are, there were no concession stands there. It's a US thing that there's concession stands, stands are only a US thing. Okay. Well Yeah, well, because typically soccer games last an hour and a half. Yeah, it's true. But, you're not you're not there for four hours. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's one soccer stadium I can talk about. It was a pretty nice game. But yes, Mexican foot soccer fans are very annoying. Extremely annoying. Super loud. But I'll you do your number one first, and I'll move on to my big so one. My number one is Fenway Park. Um, I think it's the best in sports. It's so iconic. You can see in the outfield, there's the red seats where Ted Williams hit his home run. You know, it's just so iconic. <laughs> you can, um, 
you can get you can get seats that you could see it that you can actually see the game um that you could actually see the game and um and then um it's it's a it's iconic it's small you may not be able to see the stadium from all seats but what people underestimate is that if if you get seats in the upper deck you can see it it's just it, it the seats are uncomfortable they're way too close together they're, they're way too close together did you sit in the upper deck no yeah that's the thing i didn't sit in the upper deck either the upper deck seats are the best obviously behind the behind, behind the seats right against right behind the green monster they are the most expensive so right. i um got seats there but i i was in the first deck and i could see the game from where i was it was comfortable okay um, Maybe it's just the weird it, middle areas. Okay. But so just one thing, one thing I'll say about that is this probably doesn't matter. But um, the day before I went to that, we went to like an actual good pizza place, and then the next day we're at Fenway, and they have a location in Fenway. Like an that is that is wild. A legit sit down place. Only only stadium besides PNC that has an actual sit down place in it. But um, but um. But um, yeah, it's just a, it's an amazing stadium. Obviously, the Green Monster is iconic. I, I think it's just an amazing stadium. Yeah, I'll move on to my number one. I think you probably know what it is, but it's Wrigley Field. Been there, been there once. Saw a Nats Cubs game. Just so good. The food is good. Bathrooms are interesting, to say the least. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they, they, they have. When did you go? I went in 2018. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So in 2019, they did a renovation. They switched the bathrooms. But I, I went in like 2012 when there were no. Re- I don't know if it was 2012, like 2013, 2014. They started to like make Wrigley Field more of a modern stadium. Like they added an electric scoreboard and stuff. They started doing that in 2016. I went in like 2014 and something when or when none of that had been started. The bathrooms are what you would call a typical 1930s bathroom. But, yeah, um, with the the the, the urinals. Yeah, it's like the, just the one massive urinal is it was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's such such a nice stadium, such an iconic stadium. Had such a good time there. That's one which helps. So Daniel Murphy in a Cubs uniform for the first time. Hmm. That sucks for you, but um. Just such an iconic stadium. Such a it was it, the seats we got were pretty good, but everyone everyone around our seats were so friendly. Even if they were all Cubs fans, yeah. Just such a just a, such a nice stadium. Yeah. One thing. That's Only like, bad thing I have to say about it is it takes forever to do anything. Yeah. To get anything. So one thing I'll say about it: Cubs fans are so passionate, and they're such good fans. Like at. Yeah. Um, after every game, at least after every game that they win, stands fans stay in their seats for ten minutes and sing "Go Cubs Go." Like, right. don't see many people leave right after the game. Like, they right. are very passionate fans. Yeah, passionate and in my in my experience, friendly and nice and just good people. I'll say one one one. It's hilarious. One of the friendliest people. I have ever seen at a game is a hilarious story. I'll say this really quickly because uh, um, I just will because um, we're finishing up here. But 
it was a Raven Steelers game. It was it was a traumatic experience because if you ever remember, it was the Antonio Brown reach game. Um, I was at that game at Heinz Field. And so there were like no Ravens fans there. I mean, it was Christmas, so you don't see many people driving up to Baltimore on Christmas. I, however, am Jewish, so we are willing to drive up on Christmas. But, um, but um, so there were not many Ravens fans there. Um, and then um, the people in front of us got super drunk. Um, and then, and yet, and yet they would like, blank out for a second, but then be really friendly. Like, they were super friendly, but they were super drunk. Yeah. I, yeah. So that, that wraps up today's episode. Second segment of Rankings Friday. Um, check out our website, allstarsportspod.com. Uh, Instagram, at allstarsportspodcast. Check us out. New episode on Tuesday. Peace out. Yeah, um, hold on. One thing I want to say really quickly is a bit of an announcement. As, you, as you've probably noticed, there haven't been new articles put on our website. Um, and that's just because we are taking a little bit of a break with that. Gabe and I have some stuff going on that we need to deal with. Um, uh, but hopefully soon we'll be able to get more articles. Hopefully they'll be resuming in the next couple weeks. Yeah. You should, you should start to expect them every, every other day in the, in the coming days. In the coming weeks, I mean. All right. So that, yeah, peace out.